0: Test.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website.
1: Welcome to the Brave Podcast. We exist to answer the call to be what you need in the lives of kingdom-minded songwriters. We want to make a generational difference in the culture of the music industry by creating a place of belonging, learning, and launching.
0: Welcome to the Brave Podcast. It's Eric here. And Chrissy. And we are once again in the basement of our home.
1: <laughs> We're in the podcast room.
0: We're in the podcast room. Yeah. We're having a good time. What's been happening in the, the world of Brave and writing worship?
1: Yeah, well, we just kicked off our fall mentorship. It's starting this week. So we've got how many groups go in this we've round? We've got
0: four groups.
1: Four groups going. Six in each group. Mm -hmm.
0: and one final group to start meeting Saturday.
1: Okay, yeah. And
0: that's going to be really interesting because we had somebody from Qatar join in.
1: Wow, that's pretty crazy. the Middle East. Wow. She's
0: actually South African.
1: Okay. She's the one that messaged me on Facebook, right?
0: Elaine. Yeah. I don't know how she found us.
1: I have no idea. She just messaged me. Yeah. But it's exciting. We'll get to see what happens. And we're gearing up for the Writing Worship Conference. Yep. Which is coming up. September
0: 20th through the 22nd. Yep. Getting excited about it.
1: Yeah. We're praying about that. It's going to be a fun time.
0: It is going to be a good time. And Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is we just need to watch this COVID thing. I know. Right. To make sure that everything for the event is nice and spaced out so that people, so far the government is not doing anything to kind of require Mm -hmm. groups of certain sizes to Mm -hmm. not meet or anything like that. So. We're doing everything we can to make sure that the space is right. And it's perfect, actually. It's a barn. You can open up the windows. You can ventilate the area really well. Lots of breezes and spaces to write. Mm-hmm. So it should be really good here in should in Middle Tennessee. So we're excited about that.
1: Yes. The kids went back to school this week. We've got one more kid to go back tomorrow. You sound
0: exhausted today.
1: Do I? Yes. Are you exhausted? I'm tired. I just got back from Costco. (laughs) You did? That'll drain you. (laughs) It does. Waiting in all those lines.
0: Did you get our toilet paper?
1: No, I didn't get any toilet paper. Oh, that's
0: right. I have it on Amazon. I got water.
1: No, but we got, I just got everything. Our second son needed for his college dorm. So, you Mm -hmm. know, this is round two. I did the same thing last week. Yep. But yeah, he's, he got everything he needed this time. Target. And there's these huge lines at both. I don't know why there's huge lines. Well, because everyone's today. going back to school. Well, but didn't everyone go back already? Or you mean well, the college kids?
0: Our oldest son went back. I mean, our youngest son went back early because he's playing soccer. Right. But Alex. My daughter's back. Yeah. yeah. I don't know.
1: Anyways, don't go to Costco today. Is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> Anywhere you are, <laughs> yeah. Wherever you're listening, the do not go. The moral of the
1: story. If you're thinking about it today, it's not a good. You're day. not
0: supposed to do it.
1: You're, you're not supposed, supposed to be listening to, to this podcast.
0: No, doing you're not. your laundry. Yeah, running. Just hang out at home today. Exercise. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Listening to our soothing
0: voices, <laughs> talking about. Yes. Worship music.
1: Well, we have a guest with us today.
0: Good transition.
1: Yeah.
0: Really good. Yeah.
1: Do you want to share about absolutely? Who our guest and is? he's
0: actually in the studio with us. Yeah, he's been listening in. I feel like he's the fly on the wall.
2: I'm just enjoying the Costco banter. <laughs> honestly, I feel you. We went to Costco and Franklin on a Friday a few weeks back. Yeah, his bananas. You yeah, just can't do it. That's no. what
1: happened today. Yeah, yeah. And was
2: it the same one? The one up in yeah,
1: Franklin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and we Brent have wouldn't. a dear friend that um that works in the pharmacy area. Oh, did you see him? I saw him. Yeah, mm-hmm. because. You know, he's this, uh, he's the older guy and he really gets a lot of like um, people complaining and has a hard time a lot of days at work. So I just went up with a big smile to the (laughs) pharmacy window and I said, hey, remember to smile today behind that mask. (laughs) And yeah, so it was good to get to see him for a second. He's the pun
0: guy. He's always giving us a pun.
1: He's full of puns.
0: I yeah. mean, he's anyway,
1: the best. But anyways. Not
0: not Nick, who's our guest today. So this is Nick Morrow. Yes. I
2: feel a little nervous I should have a pun in my back pocket
0: <laughs> Nick, right now. This is light, we like now to start our podcast moment, with Nick. lightning rounds. Now and is the moment. Give us your favorite pun. Go. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not a very
2: punny guy, but I do a lot of dad jokes with my kids. Okay, okay
1: give us your dad joke. Um,
0: I don't know. I they're always off the cuff. Right. I couldn't even but you tell can't you. just it's like on. Our, your podcast, you asked me to sing like Michael W. Smith, and I, I just, I can't just do it if I'm asked to do it. It has to just on come. on the spot. Yeah, if place in the world in this world comes on, I am there.
2: <laughs> Wait, I am there.
0: The raspy thing you in your voice singing singing too. Either, oh yeah. yeah, I can't. Say, I mean, For yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh,
1: yeah. I was so scared I, yesterday, honestly, because we were at tennis practice with our daughter, and the high school marching band was out in the parking lot <laughs> playing <laughs> "Living on a Prayer." So I, it's thought, "Living on a Prayer." Sorry living 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 (laughs) (laughs) bon jovi living on a prayer okay anyways i thought any minute you were gonna i was waiting for it i Uh just knew he was gonna so i just went on
0: yep but it's funny to listen to like this whole band like tuba section and they were off too they were totally off the meter so it was just really a train wreck, and they're trying to march at the same time.
1: <laughs> it so sounds
0: hot. like a, like a, a TV show, yeah. Or a movie. It feels yeah. like it. It was it was like Glee. Gone yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah, It's right yeah. down yeah. the
1: road from where you live. You need to yeah. go visit go and go watch it. Them out. Do live in just, live in on a prayer? <laughs> yeah, live in. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. So more about Nick, honey. Let's talk about
0: Nick here. Enough so about us. We're doing that. We're sitting here in our basement. We invited Nick over because he actually asked. Us to, well, really, Chrissy, but us to come on his podcast. We we had, we just had a great talk, so we're warmed up, and we thought, That's well, right. let's turn the tables. We're deep in, yeah. yeah. So we're doing this, and I know Chrissy, you have to go.
1: Yes, I do. You've got
0: an important hair appointment <laughs> to go to. You know, I can barely Again, get
1: in to my brother. We've got Costco.
0: We've got hair.
1: <laughs> we've got
0: all the things that go on. In the day. Errand
1: day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. kind of is. It's an
0: errand day. So too. I'll
1: let you guys finish this conversation, and I'm going to come back and listen to it. Okay. Okay. So thanks. Just Christy. I just want to remind you, I will be listening.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Whatever oh, wow. you say so nothing, about me. Okay. Yeah.
1: No, I'm kidding.
2: Keep wow. it clean. No swearing. What's the rules? You know.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Don't worry. I know the boundaries. Okay. I've been married 25 <laughs> years. 24. How many years? 24. This is our 24th year. <laughs> okay, so Nick, we're back now. Chrissy has left. We said our goodbyes. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the the funny way the way we met is you read writing worship right? yeah is that yeah, the, that's right the first introduction you had how would you even find the book and what's your background to kind of leading you to read it
2: no I think that's right I think that the book was the first yeah my first interaction with what you guys were doing with writing worship and I read it and I'm like I, I recognize this name somehow and I'm reading the stories and I look up the song Your Great Name which Chris he's, and I was like oh yeah I know this song and. I'm like, okay. And over the past couple of years, I've been learning, I'm a writer and so I've been kind of learning the names of people and stuff and digging in on some of that. And so I I think I had reached out through that, seeing what you guys were doing, pouring into songwriters, Mm -hmm. which was so endearing to me.
0: But I was like, my jaw dropped when I heard that you were at one point a lead pastor and the worship leader of a pretty significantly sized church up in Indiana. The network.
2: So we had a network and we were, we were the smallest of the three churches. So it wasn't major, but you know, there's a couple hundred people Mm -hmm. all total at the church. And I was the worship pastor there. And after, I don't know, four or five years, my boss and mentor was, was he was kind of moving around to the different churches and helping out in different places. And he said, Hey, we're going to need a new lead pastor. We think that maybe you should think about this. And I said, no way. (laughs) Uh, Because I felt called to being a worship pastor and to writing songs and all this. And I thought, there's no way I can do both things, which I don't think I was wrong about. (laughs) (laughs) But, or to do both things well, right? And so they kind of kept coming back and saying, hey, what if you could do this? What if we could do it this way? And to their credit, they were so sweet. And we had a lot of trust both ways, me and the elders and the leadership there. I mean, I had started to step into some of the more executive, some of the leadership things with the, church of the network and gain some trust to where my wife eventually said, you know, you're supposed to do this. Yeah. And
0: (laughs) when the wife speaks, (laughs) when Chrissy, you're you're listening to this now. uh,
2: Right, right, right. Yeah. No, no doubt. Like my wife was listening. I'll say in a more objective way than I was to the Holy spirit. And so are the elders, I think. So everyone kind of knew before I did. And finally one day I remember I was praying about it and, there was a candidate. He was internal. And we were all kind of really excited about him. And I said, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I, you know, really hope that this is it. And that he's my boss. And I was very excited about it. And I felt the sense of the Lord saying, you know, you're the guy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> I'd grown up. My dad was a pastor. And I kind of, in some ways I knew what it took and I knew that it was going to require a whole lot of me. And again, I wasn't wrong about that, but the Lord said, this is your assignment right now. And, um, What great experience
0: you had to do that, leading a community of 200 is spiritually as their pastor and working with a a team at your church. I'm sure a lot of volunteers and people that just serve the community was a great responsibility. So, taking on those roles, how did you function emotionally? How did you practically do it? Having those two roles. And how did you take care of this community as well? I'm really curious about that because from our perspective, we want to learn how to develop a songwriting culture and how to develop community. That's a big part of it is making room at the table and championing others. And how did you do that? And yet not lose your mind. (laughs) Um,
2: I would say I didn't do it very well. You didn't, okay. <laughs> and sometimes well, tell I, us about that. I did lose my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, Eric, I didn't know we were going deep dive. Yeah, on, we're going on right in. No, this is great. This is. I feel like I should pay you for a counseling session after this okay. when we're done. <laughs> uh, I take memo. Give you me my memo. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I was I was kind of operating as both the lead pastor and lead preacher and lead worship pastor. So we hired an assistant, a worship assistant. Uh, which was great, and we also had some people who were guest preaching. So I would never do both at once. I would always do one or the other each week. And I kind of oversaw the kind of the master preaching and master worship schedules and songs and teams and all this stuff. I would say being new to that role, and it, frankly, being a role that almost nobody does, right? Right? Trying to be trying to do those split that atom. I think. There's a few key ways I didn't do a great job. Our worship team was functioning very well at the point when I got asked to do this. And in many ways, I think the success of that team and kind of where it had come from and then what we got to after four or five years was part of they maybe saw and said, hey, can we do this with the church at large? And so one of the biggest mistakes I feel I made, as I said, the worship team's functioning great some new members now we got some good players in here for the size of church i'm so happy with the quality of our people and players and all that that can go on autopilot a little bit Mm -hmm. and worship assistant she was wonderful and she was younger and and just an amazing worship leader and i thought well she can come in and she can kind of lead that team for a little i'll give that team to her for a while okay because i for me i had to so much of the other stuff was so new Mm-hmm. So pre- I'd preached like seven times
0: before I became the lead pastor.
2: <laughs> Something like that. So seven
0: like, total times in your whole life. ever. Right. Yeah.
2: And it had gone okay. You know, it had mm-hmm. gone well. So it was like, well, you could do this all the time. Well, it's really different. Like preaching once a quarter is way different than preaching every other week. Yeah. Or, or even a lot of times back to back weeks, you know, and developing a rhythm for that. And that was so many ways kind of just new or overwhelming. I would say the, most overwhelming part was being an elder, being on the executive kind of team of the oh. church, overseeing the staff, all those pieces. Man, they're really hard. And I wasn't, I would say, particularly good at them. So mm-hmm. I'm maybe a fast learner, but i not, I was trying to learn all this stuff kind of at once and say, I don't, and I don't want anyone to suffer because I'm not good at my job. So let me try to figure it out. Right. Yeah. So again, I, I don't know that I did a lot of that super well, but we did function. And I would say, We went from, one of the peculiarities of our church, we went from being a proper network that was always trying to push for autonomy with each church to actually planting each church as an individual church who would stay relationally connected, but not in terms of leadership or bank accounts or whatever. Mm -hmm. We actually went through that right when I took on Lead Pastor. We walked through that. How do we split this all apart? And divorce is a really awful way to kind of say it, but it was in many ways. It was a hard season because our church had this long history with all these people at these other churches and and had come from those. Mm-hmm. We, we were planted out of the original one and all this. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say I, I don't know that I particularly did a great job. I did have a, a great team of elders who was healthy. And um, that's one of the main reasons I said yes to it was that they were a solid and supportive team that said, hey, we're behind you even if you make a lot of mistakes. And I've had that safety net to say, okay, because I feel like I might make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, right, right. So praise the Lord for that. I don't know if that answers all your question, but. No,
0: I mean, we could go deeper into it, but I'm more going to focus on how that shaped you as a songwriter, as a worship leader, as a creative, because ultimately you're not there anymore. So you, you moved here. Yeah. So I'm assuming you left on good terms yeah. there and it was a season that you felt like was coming to an end and how did you just sort of come to that realization of okay I'm actually a creative because you were I don't know what you did between when you finished pastoring that church and moved here yeah but you've had some successes enough income and monetization and and songwriting songs that have that earn an income to provide for you to yeah. be here. So the, the rest of the story is you're here now. Yeah. You're writing full-time You with your kids, you and your, your wife and your kids. Yeah. You're settled in Spring Hill. So I want to get to that, but yeah. I, I kind of want to just sort of, how did you go from pastor to deciding to move here? I kind of want to hear Good that boy. part of the story.
2: Yeah. Well, I think maybe a really important piece. I have my, my best friend. I always kind of half jokingly say, I don't make any major life decision without my dad's input, my wife's input, and my my buddy Andy's input. And I remember we went on sabbatical in 2019. You and... And my, Melissa, my wife, and our family, at the time we had three kids, which is crazy because that was only two years ago and now we have five.
0: That's <laughs> so, nuts. Yeah.
2: Praise the Lord. That's a whole other story. But I remember, Melissa and I had been processing this a lot, hearing from the Lord a lot, and like... And he had said, Andy and I had talked when I took the lead pastor job and when in 19, when I decided to kind of
0: resign. How long was that though?
2: um, I had been, I want to say a year to two, Mm -hmm. I had been the the lead pastor. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of it, he said, this really might be your side quest. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he has this whole thing where he's like, you know, when the hero goes on the hero's journey and all this. Sometimes they take this side quest because they have to go get the elixir that comes then comes back to the main road yeah. and they need the elixir to defeat the dragon at the end of the story, whatever. And I think that was maybe one of the biggest words that was important was, this was an assignment from the Lord. I knew I was supposed to do it. And I also had a sense that it wasn't forever. Mm -hmm. And even going into it, we kind of had those conversations. I don't think I'm the forever guy maybe. So when I did resign we came back from sabbatical in 19 and started those conversations. No one was super surprised and they had seen it was, it was hard and I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. No matter how good of a job I was or wasn't doing, you know, people were very affirming, but I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. And the various strengths that I think it takes to be a pastor in a small church. I didn't have all of those. Which is like, (sighs) boy, I mean, you really want a unicorn in some ways. And I would say, I think, and maybe this is just personal bias, but that the 200, that mid-level sized church, it's not a tiny church, but it's also not a really big church, right? is one of the hardest because there's, you want to maintain a small communal feel where everyone kind of feels like they can have lunch with you or coffee and you can respond to kind of individual texts or requests. And at the same time, you haven't built this thing that's big enough where you're delegating a lot of that to right, others. right? And so all of a sudden you have a community of people that is, uh, you know, a hundred adults and a bunch
0: right. of kids, and they, they all want to connect with you.
2: Yeah, and they all have your phone number, right? And they all work day
0: jobs, so they text you at night and on the weekends, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and they have life problems and issues, totally and struggles and things that, to pray for. And there's a constant wrestling of yes. But I don't think uh, you're not think you are not in I don't wouldn't say anybody's equipped to really do that.
2: I can't imagine, and God bless. I mean, I really do have the highest respect for the pastors that are carrying these like huge loads Mm -hmm. and and truthfully it's not super sustainable in my opinion because for our family we realized we had to have real boundaries and even with the boundary it was it was hard because we'd have to say a hopefully positive no to people and say hey that's dinner time with my family so i have that blocked out every night Mm -hmm. and whatever it was just really hard and felt like i was just constantly disappointing some people yeah and yeah, and and yet, you're, like you said, there's these very real pastoral spiritual needs that I don't. And on one hand, I don't want to become callous to, and on the other hand, I'm like, you know, Myers Briggs. I'm a feeler enough that I'll become completely overwhelmed by those needs. Yeah, if I dive in. So trying to carry that, my wife was was pretty amazing through that. It was super hard on her. I say that the lead pastor's wife is the hardest job in the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. So hard on her because she carries kind of all the load without any of the voice or any of the seat at the table kind of stuff. Boy, it was like, it was really hard Mm -hmm. on us. And so, and I was so thankful to be able to actually talk about that with my team and elders of like, you
0: had to have that.
2: Sure. And thankfully, still had mentors in the network uh, Mm -hmm. or the broader, you know, church family that I could draw on those Mm -hmm. guys. Without that, I definitely would have sunk. Yeah. For
0: sure. So, so thankful for that. So, But you, you made a decision to, were you writing at this time also? Yeah. Writing songs and getting cuts and other people were releasing your music or you recorded some music that got on some film and TV or tell me, tell me a little bit about all the musical stuff that was happening kind of in the background. At the same time. At the same time.
2: It was hard. I remember like the hardest moment maybe. We walked through a season of a bunch of miscarriages, which was also in that mm. same time, which was so hard. And on the tail end of that, we actually wrote an album around that and worshiping from that experience. And I remember we were recording that album and I was like producing the whole thing being the lead pastor. Right. And the preacher and, and like looking back way too much. Right. With do- three
0: kids and
2: yeah, totally
0: else. Yeah.
2: And I remember like, I'm crashing and burning a
0: little mm. bit right now,
2: mm. for sure. And it was thankful to be able to be honest about that with everyone and say, and had everyone's blessing to do that. So my wife and I met playing in a band together, which was awesome. And we did some little traveling. It wasn't a Christian band or anything, but we would go play coffee shops and clubs and farmers markets and whatever, wherever we could get a guarantee <laughs> or sell merch or right. whatever. Right, right. And eventually when we started having a family, we kind of felt guilty about leaving the kids on the weekends, you know, and traveling and all that. So we put that down. Uh, I became a worship pastor in that time frame, which was, was I went into kicking and screaming to start with. Mm-hmm. But then when, once we got into church, we started saying like, Hey, could we do this same thing? Like writing original music for the church mm-hmm. and realizing that's hard to do, mm-hmm. or it's way different anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> to yes. do that, but started learning and figuring it out and, you know, looking at the nooks and crannies of that. And so after a few years, we, we'd start to do a few songs in church here or there and had this really sweet friend who took me out back church one day. And I thought, I'm in trouble. I said something in the sermon. I had preached that day and I thought, I'm in trouble for sure. Mm-hmm. He's going to beat me up or something. Well, he ends up saying, hey, what's it going to take to go record some of these songs that we're singing? And we said, oh, I wasn't getting that. I didn't know, right. you know, what's, and finally he he cut me a check. And he said, you need to go do this. God's calling you to do this. You need to do it, Mm. which was so beautiful and encouraging. And so we said, okay, we're going to try to do this at the highest level we can do. And so we went and found some friends who did this, you know, for a living and said, hey, would you help us out? And so we started a group called Mountaintops about, it's been about five or six years ago now and had amassed a whole bunch of worship songs. Most of them bad ones, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but some good ones. And we'd done some in church enough to know which ones worked and didn't. And we said, let's take a few of those and let's record them Uh and have like finished great versions that we love. And also that kind of in our own musical native tongue was a big passion for us. And so we started recording those and kind of from the get go, we just had a a lot of encouragement, whether it was like feature here or there or, or whatever, you know, in a magazine or in a press outlet and quicker than we imagined it would because our previous band experience was like scraping for pennies, right, and, you right. know, splitting a hundred bucks, five ways, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all that, that this was kind of new. And so we tried to find mentors and who people who could talk us through, like, what are we, what's the next step? Cause we never really dreamed about it. getting to this point or having music, even that sounded this good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we, at a certain point then, whether it was Spotify or whatever, we started to have some songs that, people knew of and listened to and and a lot more than just our friends and family were listening. Right. And we said, well, that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, it was doing this. It was like taking off in the sense that it was growing. And we thought, okay, well we need to tend to this. Our spiritual director said, what did you want to do as a kid? Like, what did you imagine? this was in the lead pastor season. What did Mm -hmm. you think that you were going to do? I was like, I always wanted to be an artist and a songwriter. And she said, you need to pay attention to that.
0: Right, right. right.
2: And realized I had willfully neglected, not songwriting, I was still writing a lot actually, and still doing a lot of musical things and even leading worship regularly, but had let the dream die Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I was ever going to be like a worship artist or a whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. that songwriter that would make enough money to um, have a career and a living Mm -hmm. to feed my family, right? Right, That was really the dream. It always (laughs) still is for me. So- That started then, that kind of began, we always blame our spiritual director, Beth. We blame her. It's that it's her fault that she she cracked open this tension that was really already there. underneath. Of Oh, we really want to do this. But we felt this short-term assignment and um, we feel like it will be up in some time. And yes, we started talks with our elders and all that, working Mm -hmm. through those things to say, we think we're supposed to do this. And we're not getting any younger. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so,
0: so tell me just about the what gave you the sense that oh, I can move to Nashville and do this full time. Like, why? How could? How did you know that?
2: Naivety. Naivety. No.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah,
2: there's maybe some of that. I actually, that's not totally true. We were old, or we are old enough now that we began this process. It's been a couple of years, maybe two and a half years ago. We took a really long time with that decision. And at one point landed and said, as an artist, we're not going to move because we like, we have a community here. We sing our songs in our church. They're often like for our church. Or I was thinking of this person when I wrote it, we had a kind of a home base and families in Indiana. And so we'd kind of decided, I don't think that is the right move. And then I just a couple of years ago really started pressing into writing with and for other people. Okay, Like songs that I would never even sing. How did you do that? Well, I'll tell you, it was, I have always written a lot. When I got a bass guitar when I was like 13, we wrote like 10 songs in the first year. And mm. uh, looking back, that's not really normal right? for a 13-year-old. No, just, not at
0: all. It just was in you.
2: It was. And I actually was, I remember we used to have a mowing service and I would make up songs as I was mowing. <laughs> my brother would make fun of me like, it's I funny. heard you
0: singing. Right.
2: Yeah. So it was, it's kind of always been in me like the thing that I know that I was created to do. And I always assumed that was as an artist, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And you guys share a lot of this story. You've walked through, right? So much yep. of this. And at a certain point, this is just maybe a few, two, three years ago, like had some conversations with people and they're like, wait, you're writing how many songs like in a given year? And you guys are, you know, Mountaintops is recording three, four, five of those maybe on average in a year. And it was like you, the amount that you're writing some of those songs were getting canned, not even because they were bad. They just like didn't, didn't fit, fit we,
0: mountaintops. Totally
2: what we were doing. And so had some, thankfully some wiser people say, have you ever thought about just being a writer, writer mm-hmm. and pressing into that? And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. <What laughs> like not like? singing the songs. Right. And I kind of, I knew people did that, yeah. you know, of course, like going back way, way back to Pan Alley and before that, like other people singing. It's how country music was born.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's totally native to Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To write songs for other people. And, you know, other places too. Sure, Motown, all these places, right? Sure. There's a
2: team of writers. So I knew about a lot of that. But in the Christian world and like worship, I kind of just thought, I don't know how that works. And I didn't have a super deep understanding of the Christian music industry. Didn't know nearly as much then as I do now. And so- So I just started investigating that. Mm -hmm. I started doing some camps and did some songwriting things that were more collaborative and meant to
0: press into co-writing. Did you pay for those? Were these paid camps? I
2: I did. I did did one with Bethel Music. They Mm -hmm. did a, I think it was called Songsmith their very first one they ever did, I went to that, which is an amazing experience. Which is
0: where? Did you go out west? It was,
2: yeah, it was in Reading. Okay. Uh, So went out there. It's a
0: significant investment.
2: Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we said, okay, this is, this is like really investing. And it was an invite only like you had to apply and all this. Okay. So it was, and we thought, well, this would be confirming and I'll probably never get in, but it's 25 bucks to apply. So, you know, right. Yeah. And they did it. It was, they had had so many applicants that that was actually a piece during the lead pastor season. When I was thinking kind of, maybe I'll hang this up. That was a really confirming piece that reignited the writer in me. And even that, I would say that shifted my mindset from I'm writing for me or Mountaintops or our church to, oh, I'm writing for other people. Right, right. Maybe as much or more than I am writing for myself Mm -hmm. to lead or or record a song. So that really started to shift my thinking. I started co-writing a lot. This has been 18, so a few years back.
0: Like meeting people here in Nashville or people you met at these camps?
2: Yeah, at that time. Just
0: connections, relationships you started yeah. building.
2: And I would text people and say, I have an idea. Here's the audio file. What do you think? Send yeah. me back your thoughts. Right. And so we started that way and had some friends writing that way. Started. I had been kind of trying to co-write with other worship pastors in my community. So I was doing some of that. And yeah, and, and most of the collaboration was with these like-minded people I would meet at camps or online somewhere right, right. and just connect with randomly mm-hmm. and say, hey, let's try and write a song together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Being outgoing helps with
0: yeah. that. No, you're, uh, you you take a sincere interest in other people. I've noticed that. I hope so. Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm, well, I'm curious. Yeah. You know, everyone kind of has these.
0: That's why you host a podcast too. It is. Mm-hmm. And
2: I like, yeah, people ask about that. I'm like, I genuinely just love talking to people and hearing their stories and yeah. what makes what's God put on them. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating. So then to write is like this beautiful exploration. Co-writing I realized was all these things I loved together. It was Jesus and it was music and it was people. Right. So, right. It's, it's like all of it. Oh, this is more. And i love doing, and still love doing the artist thing, but man, co-writing, I found a lot of traction in. Yeah. It felt like I found a lot of traction quickly. Mm-hmm. And it also felt like whereas some of my peers were struggling at times to figure out how to get into co-writing or they'd have bad experiences. I found it easy. Right. I don't, you know, know all the reasons why, but I think there is a, I love to, I love to create safe spaces. I love to kind of like encourage other people. I like for everyone, if we're writing together, we're writing together. Right. It's not me or you writing. You right. Know. You
0: don't need to dominate the, the right. You actually yeah. want to make sure everybody's included. And
2: Yes. On a good day, right? Yeah, trying to all these things. Yeah. So, I think more than anything, it just kind of started to it ticked for me. It was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is checking the boxes, and Mm it is great. And at the beginning, it wasn't a whole lot. Like, it might be a friend doing the the song we wrote in their church here or there, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like cuts. In fact, this is like how little I know or knew. But a a couple years ago was the beginning of twenty. I'd started taking some trips to Nashville and said, who knows somebody, I'll make a friend and I'll just see if they'll, I can buy them coffee and they mm-hmm. can, I can learn something from them. That's how you and I met. Right, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. Right? And and I always do learn something. But so I had a meeting with one guy who owns a label here in town and another guy who's um, head of pub at a label. In fact, I, it's a good story about him. So it's it's Mike. Um, who Chrissy works with Mike Murray yeah oh okay He was cool. amazing and he's also he's just kind of he's really he's just like he's intense in some ways and mm-hmm. I'd never met him mm-hmm. I walk in and I had these two meetings back to back I remember and they both asked me so what kind of what kind of cuts you got like what mm-hmm. and I was like scratch I was like back in my mind like what's <laughs> just Seriously, like I don't even know, in 2020, you were even saying just even a year and a half ago. I'm like still writing it, writing as an artist,
0: right, right.
2: And I'm writing for. I'm just like learning all the ropes of what is, how does all this work? And so I was like, okay, note to self: cuts with other artists, super important. Yes, yes, <laughs> so, yes. So I started then. I would say being more strategic about saying what it comes down to for me now is who is stewarding the songs that God's giving them or the that God's giving to us. And I'm going to invest in those people. And I don't really care if they have three followers or 3 million followers doesn't mm-hmm. matter as much as just the stewardship of what God's given them and and what they're doing. So if that makes sense, like, I just don't, I don't have as big of a, a chip on my shoulder that has to be some huge artist or only going after this. Well, I guess what I'm, I would rather write a song with a small artist that I believe in, who's really pressing into what God's called them to, and then go find the song useful yeah, in their church, right. in their context, whatever that is, right. than write a song with some big name and have bragging rights, and no one ever hears the song.
0: Right, <laughs> right? right, yep.
2: I just, you know, useful in the kingdom. Yeah. And so I f- I do think that it's hard most days, and I definitely get it wrong more than half the time, but seek first the kingdom in writing with others and really trying to write great songs and he'll take care of the rest.
0: That's really cool. I love that. Seek first the kingdom when trying to write songs, when writing your songs. Yeah. And when looking for people to co write with, to seek the kingdom together with. Yeah. Yeah. So cause you you said to us, Christy and I, that we were kingdom people, which I guess mm. sounded to me like it resonated with you how important that is for you. Yeah. Is seeking the kingdom first.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: In your songwriting it's, and in your work. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, whether it's church world or the Christian music industry, I guess I felt pretty. I feel now pretty well prepared for the Christian music industry in some ways because it's really easy to conflate all the other things: the finances, mm-hmm. the right, the other objectives that we have that may be secondary, yeah, to spiritual kingdom principle uh, values. It's really easy to get those intermingled. And certainly we all do it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just trying to be aware of it and trying to say, Am I really after what God's calling me to do in this moment in time? Yeah, is a big thing. I mean, it just feels like a huge principle of Jesus. Totally same. is. So, totally
0: is. I mean, wasn't that part of the Sermon on the Mount? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, yeah, Matthew six. Yeah. So, what does your life look like now? What are you, what's your day to day? What's your week? average week look like?
2: Yeah, that brings us up to speed, basically. I officially rolled off my job about three months ago. We moved here to, uh, we live just just south of Nashville. And we were praying and saying what we really feel like we're meant to do is like we'd start to had some income mm-hmm. from some of this music stuff and some other streams that were coming up. We got into the sync licensing or like film and TV stuff. We started to do some of that with our instrumental music and other things, mm. and so we said, "Lord, like, what do you want us to do?" And we just felt—is that soul- all independent? All independent. Everything so far has been independent. We did work with a publishing company for a little bit last year, um, which was a very overall
0: positive experience. But it's just grit. It's it pure is. grit and pure like relationship building yep. and asking questions, right? And how 100%. did you get the film and TV cuts? Or um, how did you get the? You just start writing some instrumental music and well, we, pitched we it?
2: had a friend. So a guy named Sean Williams, he co-produced, he worked a lot on our album with us. Very dear friend of mine. He lives in South Africa and he's an ambient music producer. Ah. And so I started asking him questions like, what does that mean? What do you do? You know, and he worked for a, a mastering company, but he had this pretty robust film and TV career and still does. And I'm like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What is all this? And honestly, he's again starts- curiosity.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping people hear the consistent things that you are doing.
2: Just ask questions. Ask yeah. questions. Yeah. Be
0: curious. Kingdom minded, and stewarding. Yeah, what God's given you to yeah. the best of your ability. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing a lot of on a good day. And so through that relationship, to make the story short, yeah, he. Taught me opened a, up taught you a bunch.
2: Yep, yeah, a whole bunch. And so he's he had done he worked with a few companies. He said, "Hey, check they take submissions. Check oh, these wow. guys out." And of course, we're a Christian worship group, mm-hmm. and so knowing that they wouldn't be super interested in worship songs,
0: instrumental they would be
2: instrumental totally. And we kind of had we had cr- intentionally created this kind of vibe or worship sound, and we thought, "Ooh, like it's kind of perfect. Maybe we can use that." And sure enough, they we've, liked it. Yeah, signed some contracts, and so we do. Some of this, which is still new. So, mm-hmm. a lot of this has just got up and running in the last few months. Wow. Even.
0: That's so cool. Um, so, I want to talk to you more about that at some point. I, totally. I know we can't get into that, but yeah. I, maybe offline, I want to ask you some questions yeah. about yeah. that. That's really cool. I love monetizing and monetizing your creative gifts, anyone's creative gifts. I love to see people win. I love to do it for ourselves as well. Of course, it's, yeah. it's fun to be able to see opportunities and turn those around and again, steward them well. Totally. It's really good. Well, and this may encourage some people. I think what we found
2: was, so we had to become for ourselves. And we realized this early on. Some people had coached us and said, you got to figure out how to, you have a small business Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. And you have to be small business owners. And so my wife is extremely intelligent and me who's work hard (laughs) (laughs) and love people. And we said, all right, we're going to figure this out together. And, so we had to become like a publisher we had to become like really a pr firm we yep. had to become our own producers we had to become our own of course singing and playing a lot of the instruments it's like let's figure out how to do all the things so that we don't have to rely on someone and if it comes along great but we're not waiting around for someone to come give the opportunity if that's yep. called us to it yep right so what we found that we're i've been so um is so amazing and encouraging to me as an artist which you guys talk a lot about mm-hmm. i've actually drawn a lot from your some of your courses, webinars, just did the one with Vince. Oh, Vince Wilcox. Yeah. I I listened. Oh, I, I, for, I didn't see you on there. That's oh. I was, I wasn't, I tuned in at the wrong time. Oh. And so we listened to it yesterday. Okay. And, but this idea of how do you, you really take the same song or body of work, but you can monetize it in five, six or more ways. Right. Right. So as you have, we learned about like loop community and there's Mm -hmm. tracks and churches want the tracks of the songs Yeah, yeah. and you can do sync licensing with film and TV and master the instrumentals and do Mm -hmm. that. And it's all the same song,
0: right? right? And you
2: can do this in a, or pitch it to somebody else and they can go sing it and do it. So there's all these different ways that we're not having to go out and reinvent like do a whole nother album with every each one of these right using the work that's already there mm-hmm. and saying are we maximizing all of that to its full potential and if not to figure out those things before we step you know we take another step
0: yeah i love that so,
2: so that i think for independent musicians is huge mm-hmm. and figuring those things out on your own and, and the more you can do it on your own the more of a cut in percentage you can get
0: from it so that's exactly right yeah, yeah. i love it Nick, where can we find you and connect with you? What's the best way?
2: Yeah. On Instagram at Mountaintops Music. I try to reply everything there personally. So, um, and then the podcast is The Secret Chord Podcast. And okay. so both of those are ways. All right. You can get in touch.
0: Yeah. We're going to put links to those. This is part one. I feel like we're going to have more to talk about. I really am For intrigued sure. about diving into the details of how you... Build and monetize and do all of those things because yeah. that's really intriguing to me, too. Yeah, but that'll be just an excuse to talk more about there you go. the business side of things. Love it. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Nick Morrow, thanks for joining us on the Brave Podcast. Thanks for having me here. If you'd like to learn more about resources available for songwriters, men and women, go to writingworship.co. Follow us at writingworship on Instagram. And join our active community on Facebook, The Writing Worship Community.
3: The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now it's available only a few times each year, the Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award winning and Grammy nominated, uh, drumroll here please, <laughs> our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and in a small group co-writing environment and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.